All right, thanks so much. Well, gosh, this is a really uh, bittersweet time for me. Like, on one hand, I'm really excited uh, to be commissioned and excited to go out into the communi uh, community of Nu'uanu and share the love of Jesus there. But at the same time, I'm, I'm bummed. I'm bummed because this season is ending, and I've had such a great time over this past year uh, getting to know uh, and just appreciate uh, so many of you, and it's been a blessing to join you for Sunday services. I'm really going to miss um, our times together, but we have a mission, right, that we all are on. Right? We want to see people in our communities and on our island experience Jesus as their refuge and as their redemption, right? We want to see resurgence in people's lives because of Jesus. Jesus himself said, go, therefore, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. I think many of us know this great commission, right, to go and to make disciples of Jesus, but I think we can easily forget the promise that Jesus gives us in this great commission. He promised that he is with us always to the end of the age, wherever he sends us whether that's to Kaka'ako, to Nu'uanu, to our workplaces, our communities, our families, our neighborhoods. He doesn't send us on our own. He doesn't send us empty-handed. Have you ever had a time where someone sent you to do something but didn't go with you? Or they sent you but didn't give you the right resources? Like for me, when I was learning to, to surf, I had a longboard, and uh, my friend uh, wanted to see me get better, so he took me out surfing. And I didn't have the best board to use. It was the board that actually got snapped in half and got put back together. Right? Not the best board to learn on. And here's the thing. He took me out to learn right down the street to a place called Point Panic. And just by the name, I should have been like, no, we should go somewhere else. That doesn't sound like a place for beginners. But what I didn't realize at the time is surfers don't go there. Right? That's for body surfing. But we went anyway. And on that day, the waves were were big for a beginner like me. And so we got into the water, started paddling out, and he was experienced, so, so he just zipped out to where the waves were, left me on the inside. And so I tried to get to where he was paddling on my board. My arms were, were so tired, and the set of waves just kept coming at me over and over again. I didn't even make it out. I couldn't go over the waves. They were too big. I couldn't go under the waves. I didn't know how to do that. And so the waves kept pushing me and pushing me back to this huge rock wall. And I had no way to get out. So little by little, I was inching closer and closer to this rock wall, imagining myself being slammed into the wall by these waves. And so I did what a lot of you guys do whenever you're in right, an emergency, where you pray that quick prayer, Jesus, help me. And so I cried out, Jesus, help me. I'm going to die. I'm going to get crashed into these walls. And after I prayed that prayer, by God's mercy... I looked out into the, to, the, to the ocean, and the waves were still. It was like a lake. And I knew that was my moment, to paddle out, get to those stairs, and get out of the water. And so I did that. I got out of the water, and I sat in the parking lot for a long time, waiting as my friend was enjoying those waves. See, he, he, uh, we started off being together, but he ended up leaving me when it was time to go out. Again, maybe we've had situations like that where we were sent to do a job, but we didn't get the support or the resources that we needed. 
But that's not the case with the Great Commission that Jesus gave to us. He promised to be with us by his Holy Spirit who lives in us. And, the, and with the uh, Spirit's presence, he has given us all the resources we need to do his good works. And so um, we're going to be encouraged today to respond, to respond to what he has done for us as we think about this topic of spiritual gifts. So let's open up to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. And here's what Paul writes. He begins, Now concerning spiritual gifts, brothers and sisters, I do not want you to be unaware. You know that when you were pagans, you used to be enticed and led astray by mute idols. Therefore, I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God says Jesus is cursed. And no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. So here's the first thing uh, to know about spiritual gifts. is that God wants us to be aware of them. Maybe you've had experiences where the spiritual gifts or what seemed to be spiritual gifts uh, were used in ways that were really weird. Uh, maybe used in ways that seemed manipulative or even abusive. And so when you think about this topic, it just kind of turns you off because of past experiences. Or maybe some of us, right, we just never heard about the spiritual gifts too much. We never got into understanding what they are, and so it's just an unfamiliar topic that's yet to be explored. Well, whatever your background is, Paul says, right, he wants the church to know what they are. Just like a, a manager who wants um, their workers to know all the resources that's available to them. Paul wants the church to know the gifts that have been given to them. But before he gets into them, he talks about and explains what's the purpose of these gifts. See, before the, uh, the people in Corinth, before they became Christians, they worshipped other gods or idols. And, and those are the things that influenced them. Their past way of thinking distorted their view of gifts. So Paul wanted to correct how they should view them. So in verse 3, right, Paul's saying the correct view is to see these gifts as ways to point people's attention to Jesus. The gifts would be used to praise Jesus and to worship Jesus. So the Corinthians should be aware of their gifts in order to point people to Jesus. And so we too, the church, should be aware of these spiritual gifts. So how do you discover the gift that you, God has given you? Well, let me encourage you, right? Maybe you've taken one of those spiritual gift tests, but here's the thing. I want to encourage you first, start by asking God. Ask God to reveal the gift to you that he gave. Right? He, he gave it to you. He doesn't want you to be confused about it. Right? Think about when we give gifts to family members or friends. We're not hoping that uh, right, right, they, they, they never use it and end up giving it away because they're confused by it. We don't hide it from them the rest of their lives so that they never end up opening. No, we paid for that gift because we want them to use it. Well, God paid with his one and only son given to us on the cross so that we would be brought into his family through faith in Jesus. And then he blesses us with these spiritual gifts. He wants us to know them. He wants us to use them. So ask God. And then secondly, ask others around you, those in your community group, other Christians that, that know you well, that you serve with, who you interact with. Ask them, and, and uh, they can affirm whether or not you have or don't have that particular spiritual gift. And then get involved. Right? Even if you're not aware of a spiritual gift that you have now, right, you may realize that as you come to serve others. 
There are so many opportunities in the church to serve, and most of us probably have a little bit of interest in one of these ministries, right? And so I would encourage you to start there and then stick it out because I think at times we can have the tendency to try something for like a month and then think, ah, you know, I'm not really feeling it. I don't know if this is my gift. I don't know if I'm really good at this. And then we jump to something else. But I would encourage you, you might be gifted in that area, but it just needs to be worked on. So stick it out, right? Think about Paul. He told his, his friend Timothy, right, to fan into flame that gift of teaching so that others would see your progress. So, so there is a working out of a gift that needs to happen, a practicing of it. So maybe you might uh, not see it now clearly, but as you practice and practice and you're involved and you stick with it, maybe it might come to light. So get involved. Look for opportunities. Look for ministries uh, to, to jump in and serve. Here's the next thing Paul wants to encourage us. It, it's to know that the gifts, they are diverse. They're diverse, but they're given from one source, from one source, and that is God. Paul writes, now there are different gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different ministries, but the same Lord. There are different activities, but the same God works all of them in each person. See, many of the Corinthians, they came out of a religious system where there were many different gods, and the different gods gave different gifts to humans. So Athena would give one gift, Apollos would give another gift, but Paul's saying the spiritual gifts come from one God, one source. The Holy Spirit gives us a variety of gifts, and they can ex be expressed in a whole ton of different ways. Right? Paul here talks about different ministries, different activities. Some gifts can be practiced in a more formal setting, like when we're in church gathered together. Right? The gifts can also be practiced in the community, in our homes, in our community groups. Your gift might best be used amongst individuals or in a small group or maybe in a larger group like this. But here's the thing, right? Paul, he's not only teaching us about the gifts, but he's also teaching us about the gift giver. God himself. See, in these verses, Paul refers to, in verse 4, the Holy Spirit. And in verse 5, the Lord, which is often a reference of Jesus, the Lord Jesus. And then in verse 6, Paul seems to have in mind God the Father. So just as God is diverse within himself, within the Trinity, right? he gives us a variety of gifts to be used in all kinds of creative ways. And that's really exciting, right, when you think about it. Because you could have the same gift of mercy or helps or leadership or administration as the person sitting next to you, but it'll be expressed, your gift will be expressed in a unique way that is tailored just to you. Just as we all have a different fingerprint, right, our gifts can be expressed in unique ways that are fit just for us. And that is given to us by the same God, by one God. We don't get it by our efforts. We don't get these gifts from our family genes. It's not from the universe. It is from God. And then Paul's going to tell us further why we receive these gifts. He writes in verse 10, a manifestation of the Spirit is given to each for the common good. To one is given a message of wisdom through the Spirit. To another, a message of knowledge by the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit to another gifts of healing by one spirit, to another the performing of miracles, to another prophecy, to another distinguishing between spirits, to another different kinds of tongues, and to another interpretation of tongues. 
your gift, our gifts, right, they are for others. No matter what gift you have, the reason God gave it to you is to serve people. That's the common good. See, spiritual gifts are not for self-promotion. It's not to show how awesome we are. It's not about self-discovery. Right? Maybe you've heard people talk about spiritual gifts this way, that unless you know what gift you have, you cannot really understand yourself. You can't really know who you are. But no, our identity is in Christ as children of God, not in what we do, not what gifts we have. So the spiritual gifts, it's not about self-promotion. It's not about self-discovery. It's about serving others. And so Paul's going to rattle off some of the gifts as we just read. It's not an exhaustive list. No New Testament letter has a complete list of gifts. And so we're just going to briefly look at these gifts that are in chapter 12. So first, there is the message of wisdom and knowledge. Right? Some people just have that gift to remember biblical truth really well and then take that knowledge and apply it to everyday life. That's a gift from the Holy Spirit. Right, if you read the Gospels, right, you see Jesus continually quoting Old Testament from memory. He could always give just the right verse at just the right time. And as a result, the crowds, it said, marveled at Jesus, saying, what is this wisdom that has been given to him? Right, have you ever talked to a friend about a problem, and you've been just going around and around in your head about the problem, and then your friend just says one thing, and you think about the situation completely different just because of that one thing your friend said. Right? That's the gift of wisdom. And then there's the gift of faith. Right? This is not saving faith, right, where we trust in Jesus as our Savior and King. Right? That's given to all God's people. This seems to refer to a faith that's given at certain times where he gives you the ability to perceive what he wants to do, and then urges you to ask him and then respond. Right? I think uh, an example that we see is in the Gospels. When the four friends of the paralyzed man, right, they fought through a crowd to get to Jesus. They got onto a roof. They dug a hole in the roof. They lowered their friend down who was paralyzed in front of Jesus so that Jesus would heal them. And then what does the Bible say? Right? It says, Jesus saw the faith of those four. He saw their faith, and he healed their friend. Then there's the gift of healing. Right? This one seems pretty self-explanatory. Right? Someone's sick. You ask God to heal them, and they're healed. Right? The gift of healing seems to be given to certain people who can heal others at certain times, but not all the time. Right? I think about the Apostle Paul, for example. Right? When he was preaching all night, uh, it says in the book of Acts, there was a guy that was listening. He got tired. He fell out of the second-story building, and he died. Right? And Paul brought him back to life. So you think, okay, if you can bring a dead person back to life, you can probably heal pretty much anything, anyone, anytime. But then we think about Timothy, Paul's friend. Right? Timothy had stomach problems. Paul didn't say, oh, hold up, dude. I'm going I'm to pray for you. Let me heal you. He didn't say that. He says in instead, Timothy, add a little bit of wine into your drink. That'll help with your stomach problems. So it seems that the Holy Spirit gives the gift of healing, but the healings don't happen on demand, but rather as the Lord determines. Then there's the gift of performing miracles. Right? This is the ability to call upon God, to do miraculous things, to reveal His glory. 
right? I think healings would probably be one of those miracles, but there's also lots more. We think about Jesus' life, right, where he stopped storms, he cast out demons, he turned water into wine, he fed 5,000 people with just a handful of bread and fish. And Jesus still does, right, these things today. And then there's the gift of prophecy. And there's a lot of different opinions uh, on what this gift is and how it's practiced. Right, having the gift of prophecy is different from being a prophet in the Bible. Right, the prophets in the Bible, their words have been recorded to us and given to us as Scripture, as God's inspired written word. The gift of prophecy doesn't carry that same weight. Wayne Gruden, he defines the gift of prophecy as sharing something that God spontaneously brings to mind. Sharing something that God spontaneously brings to mind. He later writes, God may impress on someone's consciousness in such a way that the person has a sense that it is from God. It may be uh, that the thought brought to mind is surprisingly distinct from the person's own train of thought, or that it's accompanied by a sense of vividness or urgency or persistence, or or, or in some other way gives the person a rather clear sense that it is from the Lord. Paul describes how uh, this gift plays out in the church in 1 Corinthians 14 when the church is gathered together. See, they didn't have the, Old Test- uh, the New Testament letters uh, back then, and so different people in service would share a prophecy that they received. So if someone senses that God revealed something to them, uh, they would share it to the church. But whatever they share, Paul will say, is evaluated. Right, because it's not on the same level as God's written word. God's written word, it doesn't need to be evaluated because it is, we know it is from God. Right? But the prophecies that are being shared need to be evaluated. So if we're ever exercising this gift, that means we should do so humbly. Right? We're not like the Old Testament prophets that say, thus saith the Lord. Instead, I would encourage, right, we, can, we should acknowledge that what we share might not be from the Lord. We can humbly say, you know, I feel led to share this with you. I think God might be putting this on my heart, but I could be totally off. And after sharing, be open to being critiqued. Be open to realizing that, you know, what I say actually might not be from the Lord because prophecy should be evaluated. That's the next gift on Paul's list, right? We've got the gift of distinguishing between spirits. See, as some share what they believe to be from the Lord, right? We need to distinguish whether that's from God or not. So one person prophesies, another person distinguishes. What we see here is teamwork and dependency in the church body. And then we have the gift of speaking in different kinds of tongues and interpreting them. In the book of Acts, the apostles were given the ability to praise God in other languages that they didn't learn. But then there's also speaking in angelic tongues that Paul will later on talk about. And we'll get into that in chapter 14. Now, there are other passages that list other spiritual gifts. Romans 12, 4 to 8, Ephesians 4, 11 to 16, 1 Peter 4, 10 to 11, and 1 Corinthians 7, verse 7. The gifts in these passages include, let me just list it off quickly, gifts like apostleship, celibacy, evangelism, exhorting, giving, hospitality, leading, mercy, serving, shepherding, and teaching. And all of these various gifts, they have the same ultimate purpose. It's to build up and bless 
benefit the church. Now, the spiritual gifts are not something that we choose to have, right? It's not like ordering food at a restaurant where, we, where you're given a, a menu and you have all these appetizers and you're saying, you know, I want a little bit of prophecy, right? Give me a lot of miracles and a lot of healing. That's a little bit of tongues, right? It, it doesn't work that way, right? The Holy Spirit determines the gift that you will receive. That's what Paul wants to know, the Holy, us to know. The Holy Spirit decides what gift we will receive. Let's look at verse 11. One and the same Spirit is active in all of these, distributing to each person as he wills. For just as the body is one and as many parts and all the parts of that body, though many are one body, so also is Christ. The gifts are given to us as the Holy Spirit determines. It is not our choosing. Right, maybe uh, you've taken some kind of spiritual gift test before to find out your gift. And normally, right, the highest score is supposed to tell you what gift that you have. You ever had a high score for a spiritual gift test? And you're like, okay, that, I don't have that gift. Right? And I think that happens a lot because when we answer the questions in that spiritual gift test, we'll answer it based upon what we want to have instead of what we actually have. And the, the thing is, right, we can want a, a particular gift, and it, it's good to want spiritual gifts to bless the church. It's a good thing. But ultimately, the Spirit decides what gift we will receive. Maybe you might think to yourself, I don't know if I have a spiritual gift, but I want to encourage you. If you are a follower of Jesus, you have a gift. Verse 6 tells us that, right? That, that um, each person, God is working his grace in them. So no one is left out. And here's the thing, right? We should be so glad that the Holy Spirit determines the gift we would have instead of ourselves because he knows exactly the gift that best fits us. Like if you, you know, order food at a restaurant, right, that you've never eaten at, and you have all these options, right? You ever, you ever kind of fear getting the wrong, wrong thing? Or you have two choices and you're like, oh, if I order this, this and it tastes junk, oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna feel like so bummed that I didn't try that other dish. Or if, if you got uh, offered two job positions, right, and you're stressing out, oh, gosh, like, if I take this job, then, oh, what am I going to miss out on this job? What if this job doesn't work out, and I should have took the other one, and we fear missing out? We almost wish that we only had one choice to have, right? Maybe we might feel that way with the gifts, where we, we, we overthink things and think, oh, gosh, like, if I had this other gift, what would my life be like? What would my relationships be like? What would my opportunities be like if I had this other gift? But we don't have to worry about that. We don't have to fear missing out. Because God, right, who is perfect in wisdom, who knows us better than ourselves, is the one who decides what gift we will get. That will perfectly fit us. That is unique to each one of us. So my encouragement to all of us is you have a gift. Use it. Right? Let's not treat it like a gift that we leave unopened you know, in our bedroom closet collecting dust. Open it and use it. Right? Today, use it. This week, use it. Right? Prayerfully and intentionally use it in our communities. Use it in our community groups. Use it in the church, in the ministries, and in the individuals that we, that we hang out with. Right, let's get involved in a ministry. Let's get involved in the neighborhoods that God has placed us in, and let's put that gift to work. And as we all get involved, the church is built up and strengthened as we reflect the love of Jesus to the community and to the island that God has placed us in. And when we do that, right, that is exactly 
how God intended us to use it. So family, right? God has sent us out to share the good news of Jesus with others. Right? He is with us, and he has given us everything that we need in Christ by his Spirit. So let's respond. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for Jesus, right, who lived that perfect life that we could never live, in perfect obedience to you, who died the death that we deserved on the cross so that we could have new life in him through his death, resurrection. And now we, are, we have the Holy Spirit living in us, equipping us with gifts, empowering us to serve you, to enjoy you, to build up those around us. So Lord, may we continue to depend on you in all things. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.